Yes, thank you guys for being here tonight. Uh, like I said, my name is Adam Lynch. I'm the young adult pastor here at Connection Point. If we haven't met before, please come up and find me afterwards. I would love, 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 love to meet you. So uh, I'm going to preach the message tonight that I was going to preach two weeks ago, okay? And so I'm basically going to open, reopen this uh, series on Ephesians. So I'm going to start in chapter one. So if you have your Bibles on your phone or paper Bible, uh, open them up to Ephesians chapter one, and we're going to look at verses 18 through, I think, 23. 18 through 23. Chapter one, verses 18 through 23. You can take those off real quick. I'm going to open it up a little bit. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about this letter, okay? This letter was written by this guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul, and he wrote it around 60 to 62 AD while he was in prison, and I think he was in prison in Rome, and he's writing to the church in Ephesus, okay? So the Ephesians, this letter written from Paul is to a group of people in a city called Ephesus. And so when you think of Ephesus... Uh, Ephesus is a huge, booming city. It was very diverse, very culturally diverse, religiously diverse. Um, it was a major sea route, a uh, trading route. It was a huge, huge city. The population was over 250,000 people. Uh, it was uh, a place that had a, a big like uh, hospital. There was famous doctors there. There was colleges there. People from all over the Roman world would come to Ephesus, okay? And so when you think about this, this city, Ephesus, I don't want you to think of this like little like, you know, dirt town with like a few camels tied up. Like this is a big bustling city. Another thing that's interesting about Ephesus is uh, it was heavily defined by uh, a belief in like the magic and like, like, uh, like mysticism and the occult. Like, it, like there was a lot of like the occult presence in Ephesus, okay? And so there's all this religious diversity, but this real big emphasis on worshiping dark spiritual powers. Does that make sense? You guys with me? I know it's a little bit of history lesson, but you have to listen to this to get to where we're going tonight. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. So they're, they're focused on this like spiritual darkness, this worship of spiritual darkness. And so Paul uh, is writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, and he is saying to them, I want to remind you about where your uh, power comes from. I want to remind you to, to not be seduced by uh, the, these fake powers, but I want to remind you where the source of your strength, the source of your power comes from. The, the source of your power comes from a resurrected Jesus. And so the book of Ephesians uh, is broken up into two different parts. Chapters one through three is basically uh, about the power of the gospel. What is the power of the gospel? Paul writes about that in chapters 1 through 3. And then chapters 4 through 6, I believe Brandon preached on chapter 4, is about gospel living. How do we live out the gospel? What does it look like to live out the gospel? And so tonight, like I said, we're going to look at Ephesians 1, uh, verses 18 through 23. So open up your Bibles, open up your notes. I have four, that's eight. I have four points that I want you to write down. I want you to keep them with you because I hope, I'm hoping that this is 
uh, a message that you can take with you in the times that you're struggling, in the times that you have joy, in the times that, that, that you don't know what's going on, I'm hoping that this could be something that you take with you, okay? This is stuff that, that Paul wanted the church in Ephesus to understand, and this is a message that we as a young adult college ministry, the net, we have to understand this. God has brought us a far, a long ways in, how many years has it been? Four years? It's been amazing. We started with five people, and now there's more people, and it's great. But the, we have to start understanding what we're going to talk about tonight. So you guys ready? Yes. That's not good enough. Is that, you guys ready? Yep. I need feedback. That's just who I am. Okay. Ephesians 1, 18 through 23. Uh, it says, this is Paul writing, or, yeah, writing. I pray, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his, uh, of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and in his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms." Far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things, everybody say all things, all things. under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So Paul starts this letter in chapter 1. He says, I pray that, the, that God would open up the eyes of your heart to understand and grasp the implications of knowing Jesus. He says, I pray that, that God would open up the eyes of your heart to understand the privileges that you have in knowing Jesus. And what's interesting, I was talking to a friend about this. He says, I pray that you open up the eyes of your heart instead of your mind, because a lot of times... Your brain can't comprehend what your heart knows. You know, a lot of times, like, your, your brain is not going to comprehend what your heart already knows. And so he says, I pray that God would open up the eyes of your heart to understand the privileges that you and I have because we know Jesus. And so that is my uh, prayer for us tonight is that you and I could start to understand the privileges that we have in knowing Jesus. Do any of you ever have, have like parents like mine who would like, they'd basically be like, you know, well, you didn't have it as tough as I did. You know, like, you know, like people would say like, oh, I had, a, it's, I don't know if anybody ever had to do this, but it's like, we had to walk to school barefoot both ways. Like what kind of, what kind of parent sends your kid to school without shoes? You know what I mean? Like, has anybody ever had parents say that? Or we didn't have Xboxes or you guys are all spoiled kids. Only like three or four of you. So, like, I had that. You know, my parents would always be like, oh, you don't have it as bad as we had. I tell you what, growing up down in Tennessee, man, we had dirt floors. And I was just like, okay, Dad, I get it, whatever, okay. So, basically, so what you have to understand, so Paul's, like, saying, hey, I want you to open up. I'm praying that God opens up the eyes of your heart to understand that you have all these amazing things now. Like, like people before Christ, like, before he was uh, crucified and raised back to life, like, you have amazing privileges now. So what are they? Number one, number one, write this down, write this down. The first privilege is that we have an incredible hope. Because we know Jesus, we have an incredible hope. 
We don't have to live like the rest of the world that lives without hope because Jesus is our hope. Jesus gives us hope. You see, I think Christians ought to be the most hopeful people in the world because of who we know. Because we know Jesus, we ought to be the most hopeful people in the world. The Apostle Paul wrote a lot of books in the New Testament, like half. He also wrote a, a, a letter to the church in Thessalonica. And so 1 Thessalonians 4.13, 4, he says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Paul's saying, because we know Jesus, we live differently. Because of knowing Jesus, we have an incredible hope. And not just in the next life, not just in the, in the, in the life where when this is over and we die and we pass into this next life of going into heaven, Paul's saying you have an incredible hope now on earth. You have an incredible hope now. I really think that the way in which a believer sees something should be different than the way someone who doesn't know Jesus sees something. I believe that the way a believer sees a tragedy or sees something ought to be different than the way the world looks at it. Now, be sure tragedy happens to good and bad. Tragedy happens to the Christian just as much as it happens to the non-Christian. Would you agree? But the way in which we respond ought to be different than the rest of the world. Because as Paul says, we don't respond like those who have no hope. Because Jesus is our hope. I saw this firsthand. I saw this firsthand uh, a few years ago. There was a, uh, a young man in our, a lot of you know him, uh, a lot of you knew him, uh, Michael, in our young adult ministry. Uh, Michael had uh, brain cancer, a tumor in his head. And Michael was dying. And I remember I went to Steak and Shake with him. This is in the last few months of his life. And, and, and the cancer had come back, and it wasn't good, and he knew that. And I remember sitting there at Steak and Shake, and he was just talking about the hope that he had in Jesus. Like, I'm not playing around. Like, I'm not just saying this to tell a story. Like, this, this kid had an incredible hope. He was like, if Jesus heals me, great. If Jesus doesn't heal me, great. I get to be with him. And I'm not lying. He really said that. As I was sitting across from him, I was so humbled because I'm like, I'm not there. I'm not there, Lord. And I remember the last week of his life, in the last week of his life, we were at church. We were here in the main services after service, and there's about 20, 25 of us who were uh, praying over him. And, we're, and, and this is when he had gotten really bad. And I remember uh, someone praying, Lord, we just pray that you would heal Michael. But, Lord, we ask that your will would be done, not ours, but your will be done. And I remember, I remember Michael mustered up everything he had, every, every ounce of strength he had 
to just whisper out amen. Everything he had, just to say amen. Agreeing to what she was saying. God, whether you want me to live or you want me to die, amen, because my hope is in you. That is a type of hope that the world does not understand. That is a type of peace and hope that your friends and family and coworkers need. And friends, that is the type of hope that Jesus gives to you and he gives to me. Paul says that through Jesus, we have an incredible hope. And we got to see that in Michael. And so I ask you tonight, do you live as if you have an incredible hope? Have the eyes of your heart been opened enough to see that you have incredible hope, no matter the situation that you're in, no matter the darkness that you're in, that you have an incredible hope? Do you live, Christian, as if Jesus is your incredible hope? The second privilege that we have in Christ is the same power that raised Jesus lives in us. The same power that raised Jesus lives in us. Paul wants the, the church in Ephesus to experience the power of the gospel. And you see, I think that's why a lot of us fall away from God. We fall away from church. or a lot of, That's why a lot of people, honestly, aren't really attracted to your faith. It's because they don't, or my faith, because they don't see the power of God in your life. Paul says you, you have an incredible hope and an incredible power. And I think people fall away because they're like, I don't see that. My marriage still sucks. Or I still feel like this. Or I'm blah, 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 blah. Do you live in a way where you experience the, the power of God in your life? Did you know that we have an, inco we have an incomparable power in Jesus? The power that Jesus gives us is unlike anything else. It's the same strength that brought a dead man back to life. That strength lives in us. The same power that healed a, 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 a sick person lives in us. The same power that healed a woman who had a bleeding issue lives in us. The same power that healed a man with leprosy lives in us. The same power that fed 5,000 people with just a couple of fish and some bread lives in us. The same power that allowed Peter to walk on water lives in us. Us, the same power that looked at the storm and said, be quiet, lives in us. The same power that rescued me from a broken home and family lives in every single one of you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, Christian. The same power lives in you. He has the power to heal every fear, to heal every addiction. He has the power to heal anything that you would ever encounter. He has the power to be with you through anything that you would ever, ever encounter. He has the power to change you. And do you live in such a way? Can I get a handheld mic? And then can I get uh, my girl, Annie, to come up real quick? I'm sorry. I didn't plan for this. I planned for it. I told her I didn't tell him. Sorry. Um, so this is Annie. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. She's really tall. Um, so this is Annie. So Annie was at the retreat, and she gave a pretty powerful testimony. Thank you. Everybody give Josh Valentine a round of applause, please. So, so Annie, uh, 
Anyways, I don't know why I did that. So anyway, she spoke at the retreat about an encounter, but I want you to hear it, and then we will move on. Okay, go ahead. Hi, everyone. Um, you can stand closer if you want. Okay, stay here? Yeah, good. Cool. All right. Um, so until I was 21 years old, um, I was an atheist, and I'm currently 21 years old. Um, and I was a pretty good one, like a, like a really good one. I could quote Karl Marx like anyone. Oh, it's a religion thing. It's just the opium of the masses. I, I used, to, used to ask Luke Briggs how his imaginary friend Jesus was doing. Um, and I would just constantly not understand what most of you in this room understand in, in God. Um, and I just refused to ever even believe it. I went to f four years of Catholic high school, hating every second of it, swore I would never go to a Christian college, even though I graduate Marion now in a couple weeks. Um, but uh, it all, it all kind of changed. Even, um, even though my sophomore year of college, I wrote a paper comparing Jesus to nothing more than mermaids and unicorns. But then a year later... Um, my, my friend uh, that I'd wrestled and ran with, uh, he, he died. He, he committed suicide. And it, it kind of just crushed me. And I'd gone to the net a few times before that happened, but it, I didn't like it either. It was just too much. I just, I didn't like it. However, once he died, after talking to my buddy Kessler, the, the only person I wanted to talk to after that was Adam for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> um, so I, I texted Adam, and he came and met with me right the next day. And Adam called me out on a few things. The first one was, I was willing to blame God for all the bad things in my life. How could God take this, my friend from me? How can God let him do that? But Adam's like, you, you're blaming him for that, but you won't, you won't give him any credit for the good things. It's like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, the other thing he did is he told me that I, I never tried to know Jesus all out. I only ever halfway tried it. <laughs> I never really, really attempted to know God. So I was like, I'll show you, Adam. I have tried. I have tried. So he challenged me for 21 days to read the book of John to come back to the net and to do something really radical um, and pray every day for 21 days. So I did it because I had to prove him wrong and yeah. prove him that um, his entire life was yeah. a lie. So <laughs> um, I went out on that odyssey. Didn't end well. Um, Actually, it really well. Well, yeah. 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 Proving you wrong. Well. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Guess it's how you look at right. it. <laughs> right, 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 right. right. Um, but it, w it was really hard. So that was my junior year. And my, my buddy Kessler really helped me along with it, too, though. So after I talked with Adam, um, my buddy Kessler was walking through Walmart and just out of the blue picked up a book, walked and bought it, bought it before he even read the title or knew why he bought it. God had him buy a book on prayer to give to me so that I could do the third step in Adam's process, which was pray. If you've never prayed before, it's really difficult. You're just talking to no one at first, and you don't really know how to do it. So both that story kind of freaked me out and then taught me how to pray. I also, um, Kessler gave me another book about um, 
uh, how those little things in your life aren't coincidences, but they're actually God winking at you. Mm. God, God doing these little, little things every day that are actually big things and are things that he's telling you, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm there. And probably the biggest one of those is I was driving home from, or driving back here from Wisconsin, going 80 miles per hour in the left-hand lane around Chicago, and a car came over and pushed me inches from the dividing wall. When that happened, I was changing stations. Um, and when I finally pulled back over onto the highway and shaking or whatever, I'd stopped on a Christian station. They were playing Reckless Love at the part where they were um, saying with the Leave the 99. Yeah. And I was just like, all right, God, you got my attention. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> um, but just um, through it all, I didn't understand love until my buddy Kessler loved me, and then I learned how God's love works. And Adam loving me then showed me how God's love is. And until you do that to someone, they're probably not going to understand it. You need to be the bridge, those of you who believe, for the ones who don't. Mm. The bridge of love. That's kind of corny. That's okay. Um, Bridge of (laughs) The the last kind of thing that really helped... um, She's home with a ba- with yeah. bear, I guess. Um, I sat with Kirsten and did a whole Bible study with her. And that finally showed me that these things you people believe um, actually have some root in a real historical book and that these verses actually make sense when you take the time to sit down and read them. So I guess what I'm trying to say is th- there are two types of people. There are the Annies, which is my name, and they're kind of the, the Kesslers, my buddy that really brought me, who invited me to the net, who, ste- who walked this path with me every step of the way. And if you're an Annie, just don't, don't be afraid to go for it, to go all the way with it and actually, actually try. And I know it's scary and it's terrifying and you don't know what people will say and you still think that it's not real, but just, just give it a try for 21 days. And... If you're kind of a Kessler, find someone who needs love. Find that atheist or unbeliever and invite them to coffee. Kessler and I talked more about God while playing cod and ping pong than anything. That, that's all it takes is eating lunch, having coffee. It's those little things. It doesn't have to be some huge mountaintop with the sun setting and yeah. the perfect time. It can just be those little things. Little texts or little little events that that do it. Awesome! Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. So I wanted Annie to share her story, uh, and I had her share that at the retreat um, because you need to see that Jesus is still changing people. Jesus is still changing people. She was an atheist. A year ago, right? Almost a year ago, right? And now her eternity has been changed because Jesus was actively pursuing her. Like she told me, he's like, I I don't want to come to the net, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know why I keep coming. I was like, I do. Jesus is wooing him, (laughs) wooing you to to himself. You know, she would come. She's like, I don't know why I'm here. I just, you know, I'm like, you're going to be a Christian. I remember telling her, (laughs) I think I even told her, I was like, you're a Christian. You just don't even know it yet. And she's like, whatever, you know. So... But yeah, he's still saving people. He's still changing people. 
Like his power is still real. And Christian, do you live with that same power in your life? Do you access into that power? Do you pray, God, help me to, to tap into your power? God, help me to live in a way where I have incredible hope, where I, where I can experience your power in my life. Do you live in a way where you pray and say, God, help me to resist this temptation? Not after the fact, but before the fact. God, help me, help me to have the power and the strength through your spirit to say no to this or to say yes to this. Third thing, the third thing, the third privilege is that his power will never run out. God's power will never run out. In verse 21, it says, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So his rule and his authority and his power is for this present age, but it's also for the age to come. His power is endless. His power is forever. He will never be tired. He will never grow weary. He is in ultimate control from this life into the next. He will be with you in this present age, in your future, and in your eternity. He offers you his power to those who believe because you are his children. That is your identity. Your identity, if you know him, is his child. And he is with you. His power is with you in the midst of darkness. In the midst of your own darkness in your life, he is with you. I watched uh, this uh, documentary film called The Heart of Man. It's on Netflix. I told like everybody to watch it, and it was amazing. And the author of The Shack was in the book, and he was talking. He said something that like really struck me. If you haven't watched it, you need to watch it. The Heart of Man on Netflix. And he said in there, I always felt like God didn't like me. I always felt like I knew God loved me, but I, I never felt like God liked me. And, you know, I always felt like God was mildly disgusted with me. And I, that really struck a chord with me because that's how I've always felt too. I've always felt like God was, I guess he loved me, but I felt like he didn't like me. And he was certainly mildly disgusted with me because of the darkness in my life. But friends, I'm here to tell you tonight, nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. In the midst of your sin, in the midst of your running away, in the midst of you ignoring him, he is still with you in that darkness. His power will not run out in your life just because you're running away from him. Or if you sin or if you're in darkness, his power will not ever run out. That's why Paul's saying, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened in order that you may know that you have this incredible hope even if you're trapped in darkness, you have an incredible hope that is in Jesus. And that's my prayer for you, and that's my prayer for me, is that we will understand this incredible, incredible hope that we have. Because God does love you. Don't let that be churchy. Don't let that be just something that we say. Understand, God loves you, and he likes you. He's not disgusted with you. Let that penetrate your heart and mind tonight, folks. Don't let it be church. I don't care about church crap. 
This is real. He loves you. In the midst of your porn addiction, he loves you. He is not disgusted with you in the midst of that. He says, I'm, I'm going to be with you. This is not what's best for you, but I'm going to be with you. I'm not, I'm not going to run away from you because of that. There's people in here tonight who need to know that God loves you in the midst of your darkness, in the midst of the sin in your life. He does like you. He does have a purpose for you. He does have good things for you. He offers his power. He offers his love. He offers his hope to all of us so we don't have to live in constant anxiety and constant depression or live as if we have no hope. And you guys, you need to understand this. We may not ever have our situation in this life changed. You need to hear this. You may never have the situation that you're going through in your life changed. Following Jesus isn't a magic pill that you take where everything gets better. So not, you might not ever have your situation changed, but because of Jesus, he can use your situation to bring glory to God and to teach you more about the Father's heart. Your situation may never change, but he can use your situation to draw you closer to his heart. Kirsten and I walked through this uh, a while ago. It took us, you know, it takes some people a long, you know, years to get pregnant. It took us seven years. And when all your friends are getting pregnant, you know, first try it, you feel like there's something wrong with me. Something wrong with me. And it took us seven months. And I just remember each month looking at Kirsten, she's like, no. And I'll just be like, God, what the heck? Like, what is wrong with me? Like, I had this, like, what is going on? You know, month three, month four, month five. And it's just like, God, what is going on? And then month seventh hit. And God, and God came through. And I just remember praying to him and telling him, thank you. I would never have changed what we went through in those seven months because he's taught me so much about the heart of the Father that I would never have known if I didn't go through that, if I didn't go through that situation. So I just wonder, what situation are you going through right now? Are you begging him to change it? Could it be that he's using it to change you and draw yourself closer to him? Um, I'm going to have my man Luke. Where's Luke? Luke and then Jake. If you guys could bring this uh, instrument over here real quick. You could just try to put it over here if that will work. Are you ready? Okay. Um, this is going to be fun. Get your phones out. So, two strong guys here. Give them a round of applause. Don't hurt anybody, please. Don't hurt my stuff. Please, okay. <laughs> See if you can get up on stage. That'd be awesome. So uh, just stand there for right now. You're good. Thank you, Jake. Uh, <laughs> so um, a few years ago, I read this. Well, just recently. You can stay, are you cool right there? Yeah. Okay. So recently, I read this article about uh, these people that were on a roller coaster in Arkansas, right? And they were on this uh, roller coaster, and everything was going fine. And then they got to, like, the very top of it where it loops, and the power ran out. The power just went out. And there was, yeah, I know, right? And they were stuck upside down for over an hour. It took, it took crews over an hour to get them down. They were 150 feet in the air. Can you show us what that would look like? Go ahead. It's just, uh, 
Go ahead and do that. So if you can go back. Very, yep, there you go. So I wish, I wish you were facing that way. Okay, so yeah, move it real quick, if you don't mind. Try not to hit the, this stuff. Yeah, the keyboard, this isn't mine, so it's fine. I just want them to be able to see your face. This is good. If he gets hurt, your connection point is not liable. Oh, my gosh. Are you going to be okay? He's in good shape. He does CrossFit. Just ask him anytime. He'll tell you he does CrossFit. Okay, so that's a better angle. So, so you can imagine these guys were in uh, this roller coaster hanging upside down like this uh, for an hour. They were stuck for an hour just like this. And I remember as I was preparing uh, for this message, I think a lot of people feel like your life is like this. You feel like I got on this roller coaster. You stay there. I got on this roller coaster. I got on this roller coaster of following Jesus. Everything was smooth. Everything was great. We were going up the hill. We were coming back down. And then your power went out, Lord. And God, you left me stuck, hanging upside down. I'd be willing to wager that there's a lot of people in this room tonight who feel stuck and they feel like God's power has ran out in your life. I just wonder, is this you tonight? Do you feel like you're left hanging upside down? And let me just tell you this. Jesus doesn't bring you out of your old life to leave you alone in the new life. The power that saved you will continue to work in you and through you all the days of your life. But we have to be careful. We have to be careful because stuck, this position, stuck, can become our new norm. We get to this point where we think, well, this is as good as it gets. God was good for a little while, but then I just got stuck. His power ran out. And now I'm stuck hanging upside down. We start to think that God isn't faithful to his promises anymore. But Christian, all of God's promises belong to us. But we have to have the faith to claim that, to live that. And a lot of times we can settle down in places that God simply just wanted us to pass through. A lot of times we end up stuck with blood rushing to our head. Because God asked us to pass through a place, but we decided to stay there and live. Does this represent you and your life and your walk with Christ tonight stuck? And can I tell you a major reason why we get stuck like this is because we stop taking next steps. Like Anne, she came to know Jesus and she's like, what do I got to read? What do I got to do? Like, I'm going to keep moving and moving. And his power kept moving in her. But a lot of times we can get... Lazy, we can kind of get like, I don't need to pray today. I don't need to read my Bible. And we get stuck and we're like, well, where's God's power? You said your power would never leave me. Where's your power? But I think it's because we stop taking next steps. And we choose to settle and live in a place where God never meant us to live. We live stuck. God does not want you to live stuck. Keep pushing. Keep moving. If you feel stuck, pray more, start serving, lead something, 
Start sharing Jesus with people. Keep moving because his power will never run out. Paul says that his power is for the present age and the future and the age to come. His power will not run out in your life. So if this feels like you, keep moving. Keep taking next steps. Let's give Luke a round of applause. Good job. That was great. Woo! Can you move that? Thanks. Remember, CrossFit. So does that describe you tonight? Does that describe you? Band, come on up. I'm going to close quickly. Does that describe you tonight? Stuck. The last, the last privilege that we have in Jesus is that all things are under his rule. Feel free to do your thing. All things are under his rule. Write that down. All things are under his rule. I see some of you not writing it down, so I'm just going to look down. All things are under his rule, and by his, I mean Jesus. All things are under Jesus' rule. In verse 22 and 23, it says, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. What's really interesting now is that Paul is quoting uh, Psalm 8.6. So write down in your notes, Psalm 8.6. Psalm 8.6 says that God has placed all things under his feet. And this is the part that really gets me jacked up, right? This is the part that really gets me excited. Christ has not only been given a position of authority seated at the right hand of the Father, but he is now able to exercise that authority in the subjection of everything under his feet. Let me say that more plainly. The powers of darkness are not simply inferior to Jesus. They are also subject to Jesus. The powers, man, someone wake up, someone with me. The powers of darkness are not just inferior to Jesus, okay? They are subject to him. The Bible says that the demons tremble at the name of Jesus. All of darkness has to bow at his feet. So the darkness that is in your life, when you say, Jesus, rescue me from this, they have, it has to bow at Jesus' feet. It has to bow at the name of Jesus because everything is underneath his authority. So what is it in your life that has hold of you? Speak the name of Jesus over it. What is the darkness that's in your life that has gripped you? Speak the name of Jesus over it. Not your name, not my name, not anybody else's name, but the name of Jesus. The powers of darkness are subject to him. They are scared to death of Jesus. God, I pray that you will just break every single chain that's in this room tonight. In the name of Jesus, break every single stronghold. Anything that would keep people from following you, Jesus, break it because every single dark power has to bow at his feet and it will, they will. So we can walk in boldness, we can walk secure because the one to whom the darkness must bow before, that same power, that same spirit lives in you and he lives in me. So raise your head high, straighten up your shoulders and walk proudly and confidently that you are a son, that you are a daughter of the king. That same power that raised Christ from the dead 
That same name that trembles at the name of Jesus, that they tremble at that spirit, that spirit lives in you. You have an incredible power in front of you. You have an incredible power beside you. You have an incredible power behind you. Christians, start living like it. Start living with the power that Jesus gives. Start living with the hope that he gives. Because the Bible says, greater is he that lives in you than he that lives in the world. Christians, we have to start accessing this power. We have to start accessing this hope because this world will never change. Your friends will never change. Your family will never change if we don't start tapping into this power, into this change that he gives us. Will you pray with me? Then we're gonna sing a song. Father, thank you so much for who you are. God, thank you that we have the ability to know you. God, I thank you that we have the ability to know your son, Jesus. God, I pray that you'd help us. God, help us to access that power. When we feel weak, when the darkness surrounds us, when we're scared and we feel like we're alone, God, help us to know that you will never leave us, that you're right there with us. In the midst of our sin, in the midst of the, of the darkness in our life, God, you are with us. God, I pray that every believer, every Christian in this room would start living with an incredible hope and live with that incredible power that you give. Jesus, I pray that you will break every spiritual stronghold in this room tonight. God, break every spiritual chain that's in this room tonight. God, I pray that you will break uh, family curses in this room tonight. God, I pray that you will break the spirit of suicide in this room tonight. God, I pray that you will break every spirit of doubt, every spirit that would come against you. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you will break it in this room tonight. God, I pray that people will leave this place changed tonight. God, break hard hearts. Open up deaf ears. In Jesus' name, amen.